Wednesday, and we're on another train, travelling south from Douglas towards Port Aaron, one of the southernmost towns on the Isle of Man. Our locomotive today, if you're interested, is Lock. We're on our way to the Calf of Man, a small island just off the southern tip of the main island, uh, and we'll be looking at lighthouses there, Stevenson-built lighthouses. There isn't likely to be much opportunity for audio, though, so this episode of the podcast may be a little light on industrial archaeological content. I suspect we'll get a little bit about birds, though, because there's a long-established bird observatory on the calf. We don't get to see much of Port Aaron because we dash straight from the railway station down to the harbour, where two boats are waiting to take us out to the Calf of Man. The short voyage out is fairly uneventful, except for uh, worries about not being able to land. The Calf is notoriously difficult depending on the tide. And the boats won't wait for us, they'll uh, come back later to a different landing place. Tide permitting, we could be stranded. But of course we landed safely, and were met by one of the resident wardens. The island is managed by Manx National Heritage, uh, and the wardens are funded partly by them and partly by the Manx Wildlife Trust. The warden uh, demonstrated that though the island's now uninhabited, there is quite a lot to see about past habitation. He showed us the remains of the old field systems and the lazy beds. Those are the areas where potatoes were grown in very harsh conditions under a blanket of uh, harvested seaweed. And then took us on to the bird observatory where we met the uh, head ringer. Here he is talking about the work of the observatory and its role in understanding bird migration. Um, obviously this day the record's been kept right back since 1959, so obviously it's a huge data set available there. Just to look at the numbers and how they've changed from year to year. Certain species are, are declining and coming through the island. Odd other ones, we're not, not really sure why, like black caps and chaffinches seem to be going up each year, the numbers we're getting, which a bit of a <coughs> contrast to sort of the general things with a lot of these summer migrants. Um, the black caps are who tend to get more and more now late on in the autumn. The current thinking how we know these are a lot of people say oh black caps you may well have seen in the gardens, oh these are just just our overwintering ones, ones that are bred here in the summer, warmer weather, not bothering to migrate. We know from, from ringing that that's that's not the case that black caps that are here in the winter that start turning up in October, November are actually Eastern European birds that whereas the birds, the black caps that breed here during the summer will have a, a north-south migration they'll go right down into Mediterranean North Africa for the winter we then get an east-west migration of birds from Germany, Poland even now I think it's starting to get a few birds from Czechoslovakia that have an east-west migration that are coming right out of Eastern Europe. Obviously, the birds are caught using mist nets and heligoland traps and then recorded and ringed before released. Now I know a little bit about this, having done some mist netting and bird ringing in the Faroe Islands oh, many, many years ago. And the appearance of the ringing pliers still fills me with a slight dread because I was always worried 
that I'd snapped some poor bird's leg off. But, as our ringing warden explained, that's actually impossible to do. The rings um, were all carefully designed for the leg sizes. So here's a pair of ringing pliers. See, so I mentioned earlier, different sizes for different different birds. The double A rings here be the, the first hole and A rings, so robins, chaffinches. The pliers are carefully designed so that no matter how much pressure you actually put on the ring, the ring won't overlap provided you've got the ring in the right position in the pliers and the pliers are carefully designed it won't crush the bird's leg the bird's legs once they're they're out or up to a certain age in the nest the legs have reached reached the size that they'll they'll stay at then thereafter and of course every ring is uniquely numbered and basically they've got a museum name on them and a unique number which once that ring's gone on that bird it would be unique that ring won't be used on any other any other bird in this country and the museum name identifies it to the ringing scheme within the United Kingdom. Um, ringing schemes all across across the world and if you catch a foreign ring it will have a foreign museum name on it. That's enough of the birds for the moment. The rest of our trip was spent largely looking at the twin 1818 lighthouses, both built by the Stevenson family, the uh, engineers who were pioneers of lighthouse construction and built many of the lights authorised by the Northern Lighthouse Board in the 19th century. That board, the NLB, are still the Lighthouse Authority for Scotland and for Man. They're the equivalent of Trinity House in England and Wales. The Stevenson lights are, frankly, magnificent Georgian buildings. They were built as twins of each other, uh, both the lights and the living accommodation alongside, You'll find some pictures and links to more information on the blog. They were built to work in synchrony with each other so that mariners could use the two to pinpoint the position of the notorious chicken rock, a submerged reef, off the calf. I don't think I could do justice to them in describing them more here, so I'll move on. And we're back to birds! One of the specialities of the Isle of Man, and indeed other parts of the Irish Sea, are the chuffs. Red-footed and red-beaked members of the crow family, and rare birds of the sea cliffs. These are their distinctive calls. Caroline and I were so distracted by the chuffs that we never actually got to see the mill ruins, which I'm told comprised low walls and a few bits of gearing. Unexciting perhaps, but I've always liked mill ruins. Instead, at the risk of missing the boat, we had to return to the landing place, where we were all on time, except for one straggler who went to the wrong landing place. The uh, sea journey back took us via a mine engine house at the foot of the cliffs uh, a little way out from Port Erin, very reminiscent of the uh, Botalic mines in Cornwall. And then, of course, uh, after a brief cup of tea in the station cafe, back to the train. Sadly, this is the last of the AIA podcasts from the Isle of Man conference. The podcasts have been a bit of an experiment, but I do hope you've enjoyed them. 
and remember to check out the blog for more information and some pictures. My name's Jonathan Briggs, uh, thank you for listening, and this is the last time I'm going to be saying bye for now.